freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 364 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd, and normally sitting next to me is Dan, the other guy. I'm not Dan. She's not, not Dan. The other guy. We have a very the daughter. special <laughs> guest host. Yes. I'm Cheryl and Dan's daughter, Cassie Todd Jameson. Um, and our guest today is Rob Morse. Rob Morse is the host of the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast and co-host of the Polite Society podcast. He blogs at his Slow Facts blog, and his articles appear at Amoland and Clash Daily. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Welcome, Cheryl. I was thinking back there. I don't know if it was last year, maybe earlier. I think you and I closed out the year one time. We did. Been, yeah. de deja vu all over again. Exactly. And you were such the perfect person to do that with. Uh, and it made me kind of go back and start. I looked on your guest page and I started counting. This will be your 15th time being on Gun Freedom Radio, 15th episode awesome. together. Why, thank you. Well, you're thank you welcome. so much. It's thank quite you. an honor. Well, oh. it is for All us. Right. And especially like these wrap ups, because I remembered, I'm like, did, were they all wrap ups? I wonder if they were all wrap ups. No. Because <laughs> you, you write so prolifically, uh, I swear you pump out 10 articles an hour or something <laughs> like that. And, and you are always, um, you're fact-based, you cite your sources. This isn't theoretical stuff we're talking about. This is stuff that has actually happened. And it is wonderful to be able to kind of go back and say, okay, what, what have we experienced? Maybe where do we go from here? Can we predict it all? And so once again, here we are, we're in the studio on Monday, December 13th, 2021. And uh, this is actually our last recording segment for the year of 2021. And to have you make time for us is uh, perfect and amazing. And thank you. It's my pleasure. We have so much, Cheryl, so much has happened since I was here last. Where do you want to start? Oh my gosh. Well, you wrote an article recently. Um, it's titled, Now We Know That There Are Armed Good Guys on Our Streets. And as I was reading your article, I was like, so what, what's the now? What was the thing that happened? Because you and I and Cassie, uh, we are the good guys that are armed on the, the streets, right? So we know it. But when you say it in your article, you're, you're using the larger we. The larger and, we. And right. what was the incident or what was the, the turning point that you can say that? Well, now, 
most of us don't know what you know. You see, you guys have a gun shop. You see people come in every day. You were certain they are gun owners out there. You're certain they're carrying. And the mass media says, no, no, people mm -hmm. don't carry. Oh, okay. If they have guns, some of them carry, but they never do anything with them. They never have to use them. Self-defense doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the three monkeys, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no. And now we know that's not true. Mm -hmm. We guessed it wasn't true. You knew it because you lived it, but now it's been documented. You're familiar with uh, old social studies where people would call all across the country. If they're lucky, they get 2,000, 2,500 people to interview. There are all kinds of, kinds of biases involved. Lately, they've gone online. You and I are sort of afraid to this because we think that with every click, somebody's going to mine our preferences and we're going to end up with the sidebars of every website we're ever going to see is going to show what we clicked here. That's true. Didn't, we are afraid well, of that. We are afraid of that. Okay, so a professor out of Georgetown, William English, interviewed 54,000 people in an online survey, orders of magnitude more than we'd normally get. And, in, and he asked us, do you own a gun? Are you, how old are you? Have you ever used your gun? Do you carry it? How often do you carry it? Wow. So you and I looked at the news. We had sus suspicions. Now we know. So we, we had some things confirmed, and then we got a few surprises. And I'll say pleasant surprises. Shall we jump in? Yes, please do. And and as you're saying that, I'm like, whatever his numbers are, those of us that, that say that we carry and, and if we've used firearms, it still has to be a small number because most of our peers, we're never answering surveys like that. Nope. And so for him to get the numbers that he got, uh, they're, they're low. I'm yeah. sure. They're, they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm going to tell, we'll see. They okay. did put they did put in some verification questions. Okay. Like, are you making stuff up? Um, <laughs> there are some states where almost everybody registers. Legal gun owners legal gun owners have to register their guns, and then he compares. So he goes, "Yeah, okay, we can gauge how whether we're understating or overstating the truth here." So okay. let's jump in. We knew that no we guess there are between 15 to 20 million of us carrying concealed because we knew there were people with permits well okay now we know there are 83 million gun owners in the u.s we knew it was about 100 okay 83 about a third of gun owners have actually used their firearm in self-defense now mm -hmm. wait a minute that's not this year that's in their entire lifetime Okay, we, we know how long they lived. They gave them the numbers. We don't know when they got their gun. So that's kind of a fudge factor. The, what you and I suspected was true. We almost, ne almost never. Usually we didn't have to press the trigger. Mm -hmm. 80% per, of the time, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. We'd always read that. That was our back of the envelope estimate, because you and I cover the news. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. That's documented. That also makes us think that people answered honestly, because that fits with everything else we know. Mm -hmm. Here's what 
shocked us. One out of nine of us in the entire U.S. has used a firearm for self-defense. Wow. And is that an act of use? Because as you're uh, implying, I think, uh, an armed society does actually, I mean, it's an old idiom, but it actually does create a more polite society. Those of us that that carry, we we tend to be more uh, polite. We definitely are de-escalators. Um, knowing that anybody else in the crowd or the store, whatever, could be armed. I think bad guys are at least smart enough to go to do the math, right? And go, mm, maybe this isn't the place to act up. So when you say one in nine, is that they actually had to engage in some way with their firearms presented? Well, let's, let's yes, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. First of all, let me say that they backed out security guards, police, military, doesn't include any of that. Okay. Oh, just normal moms and daughters moms and, dads. and dads and sons. Yes. About a third of us own a gun. About a third of the gun owners said, yeah, I used it. That's about a ninth of the now. Oh, adult population. We're not going to count kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that meant, right? That's an interesting description because that's such a hard, it really is a hard question to ask. Mm-hmm. So, or to answer. So they didn't, there's some fudge factor. Mm-hmm. Did you use a gun in self-defense? Yes, I did. Now, was it the gun on the table? Was mm-hmm. it the gun in grandma's hand? Mm-hmm. Was it the gun pointed? Mm-hmm. Was it when the gun got loud and they heard a bang? Mm-hmm. That we don't know. We know how often they did those things, but fair enough. It was Good. up to us to say if we use the gun or not. Okay. But now here's another number that sort of confuses me. About 17 and a half million of us are on the streets carrying every day. Mm-hmm. Wow. We'd always guessed at that. Uh, somewhere between 15 and 20 million. Yeah. That includes constitutional carry. Now, what's interesting is it doesn't include people under 21 who can open carry in many states. Mm-hmm. Right? Nope. Didn't they fall off that uh, that answer sheet? Another thing, and this this would actually be a problem in your house. They said, "Are you carrying your gun today?" And you go, uh, "Actually, it's Dan's in your case, right?" Or it's it's who's gun? We, gun, yeah. we use other people's guns. Mm-hmm. So when we ask somebody, are you a gun owner? And if mm-hmm. they said no, we never ask them if they were involved in armed defense. Mm. So if uh, somebody's living with someone who's a gun owner mm-hmm. and they're threatened, they grab a gun, get out of my house, the bad guy runs away. That's never recorded because they're not the gun owner of record. Interesting. Okay. I got you. So there could be even more. And and the great thing about this study is they said guns rightly. Yep. The study said we're not perfect. These are things we missed. So Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. always builds confidence in the answers, right? Mm -hmm. Um let's see. Okay. Uh 17.5 million. What is that? It's one out of a dozen. One out of a dozen adults. Dozen adult United States citizens, people who live here, whether they're citizens or not, just people. Right. Out of of the adult population, one out of a dozen. 
13.5. Down here, we'll call it a baker's dozen. So you walk into your grocery store. There are probably a couple of us in there. Just counting heads. Walking mm -hmm. to the restaurant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in some rural Pennsylvania counties, it was half the adults had their carry permits. <laughs> the reason is pretty simple. The sheriff said, I'll do my best. You call me. I'm on the way. Mm -hmm. But you know where we live. That could be right behind the snowplow. Yep. I'll get to you in a couple hours. Yeah. So you have to protect yourself till I do. Mm -hmm. Alabama has about 30% of adults with carry permits. Mm -hmm. What's fascinating to me, again, let's look at states where we don't hear about gun owners. California, New York. Mm -hmm. What are the states with the most gun owners? You're not going to say California, New York. I am. With a straight face, you're going to tell straight, me. Right. That's because their population is so large. What was fascinating about this study is we're a 45-55 country. The majority is all of 5% off of 50-50. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Gun owners are everywhere. Mm -hmm. We think of gun owners, and owners as being old white men in Pennsylvania. We're everywhere. Mm -hmm. We're in California, we're in New York, we're in Maryland, Connecticut, Massachusetts, all those states that may oppress us, but mm -hmm. we're there. That gives me hope, honestly, um, to, to think, and it, and it is probably just a numbers game. There are so many more people in California or New York. It and is. So then therefore, um, there are more people who own guns in those places, but if we could get those people to actually care about their rights and speak up, that could be a true game changer as well. They've taken the responsibility to own a firearm, right? Hopefully yep. they've taken the responsibility to, to gain training. So they're a responsibly armed citizen. Uh, if they, if we know about them, then they probably had to have training because they've got a concealed carry license, right? Um, but if they would realize that their voice matters in this national conversation, their statewide conversation about protecting their second amendment rights, the rights to keep and bear arms. It could be such a game changer. And so I'm hoping people listening right now are feeling that tug on their heart, feeling convicted. This is the year 2022 is the year I'm going to speak up and get involved and make sure that I am counted as a responsibly armed citizen who cares about my rights, my individual rights. Um, and so then when you say this, that California and New York have the most gun owners, um, so then I'm like, well, what about Arizona? And I think we're gonna take a deep dive into con uh, constitutional carry later in our conversation, but Arizona where we were treated like adults, we have right. enforced <laughs> that we are going to be treated by like adults by our government and we, don't need a permission slip to, to, to own a firearm, carry a firearm with us. We have that constitutional carry. So a lot of those people maybe wouldn't have answered this survey or wouldn't be counted because if they haven't gone through a concealed carry course, you know, there, there is no registration in our state. So maybe, maybe Arizona is the <laughs> state with the most gun owners. <laughs> well, no, we just, the survey and by the way, this is the preliminary report. It's mm -hmm. going to be an interesting book when it comes out because the preliminary report runs 30 plus pages. 
No, Cheryl, I'm, I, I know that you and I both love Arizona gun owners. No, it just, it asked you, did you own a gun? Uh -huh. Did you carry in public? Do you have a permit? Those are separate classifications. Okay, so, fine. But, okay. <laughs> but I am going to be intrigued when we get the detailed state-by-state -state numbers uh -huh. to see, and I think it's, again, our intuition is going to be founded. Oh, yeah, you know. It is much harder to carry in California than it is in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And we'll see when people tell us. Um, guys like uh, Dean Weingarten and I, who you know study these numbers, we're imitating, we're sitting on John Lott's coattails here. Yeah, we wanna know who carries. And this study finally told us who and how much, but we still wanna see all the details. Um, what else, <laughs> what else? <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Gun owners look like us. Mm. You know, because you see them come through your door, mm -hmm. both of you. Um, it's true. We think of gun owners as being old white men. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm both. But gun owners are also young brown women. Mm -hmm. And it's not and some vanishing percent. If minorities make up 40% of the population in the US, they're like 35% of the gun owners. It varies. Asians a little undercounted, Mexicans a little more, blacks in the middle. Um, but I was shocked at how normal we all look. Mm -hmm. We are everyone. Uh, the DC project that we, uh, Cassie and I are part of, is such a beautiful visual of who the female American gun owner is because there's, I mean, and it's not even just like a, a con conservative club, right? Or a Republicans right. club, no. right? We have independents, we have, you know, non-affiliated, we have Democrats, we have liberals, we have conservatives, we have Republicans, like everyone, every color, every shape, every size, every age. Uh, and our one common theme is that we understand that you know when seconds count help with somebody with a firearm and a badge are they're minutes away they're they're great people they're well trained they're awesome but they can't be right where we are when we need them at every right. second right um I, I was interviewed about this story and i was talking to tom gresham he threw in an anecdote the plural of anecdote is not data but it is a fascinating insight. He's talking to a TV producer in downtown New York, as blue as a blue city can get. And they're talking about guns, gun owners. And the producer goes, nah, nah, people around here. Yeah, Tom, I understand that's where you live, but that's not people here. Mm. Tom goes, yes, it is. I, I see where the calls come from. Yes, it is. We're everywhere. Now, the difference is me and my buddies, we go out, we meet, we talk about the new guns we bought with you guys don't do that. So why don't you ask your friends and Tom forgets about it. They go on about their business. A few weeks later, the producer calls up and goes, do you know what? Half of the guys I work with, half of the guys I talk to own a gun. Guess what? Normal's everywhere. Normal is everywhere. And that is Tom Gresham of gun talk. He is the, <laughs> the godfather, the grandfather of all of these kinds of talk shows that we all have engaged in. 
he was way ahead of the curve, realizing that this was a topic that was fascinating to people, that uh, people felt like they don't have a way to really, you know, talk about it and um, explore the ideas and the issues. And Tom created that space with gun talk and, and the rest of us. You, you mentioned being on the coattails of John Lott, who's the great statistician who writes books like More Guns, Less Crime. Uh, well, we're on the coattails of Tom Gresham with all of this work that we do. All of us are, it, and mm -hmm. it's a great place to be. We're inspired every week. Absolutely. And he loves and supports all of us. It's not like there's this grand competition, you know? Uh, so it's truly a wonderful thing. And for him to be in all of the ears that he's in every yeah. week in right. all of the markets across the nation. And then he's saying, look, I get calls from all across the nation, right? People that want to talk about guns and own guns. You might want to listen to me. <laughs> you know, I might know yeah. what I'm talking about. Cheryl, you just brought up something fascinating. You said um, it would be great if gun owners spoke up. Now that we know the degree to which gun owners are everywhere, mm -hmm. it would be great if politicians spoke up and decided to talk to us rather than ignore us too. Oh, or talk at us with garbage nonsense that they make up <laughs> out of thin air. Garbage <laughs> nonsense. And then they try to make law and bills out of their garbage nonsense and it is mind numbing. But uh, we're doing what we can do to, uh, rectify that one listener at a time, one conversation at a time. Um, do we have more on this article that we need let's, to unpack? Because I'm dying to get to the next one. Let's, let's get to the next one. Okay. So we do know that there are armed good guys. We just talked about that. There's been, you know, this new study that, uh, you, you mentioned William English did. Um, there are also, we know people out there that will do evil to one another. Yeah. No matter what law, no matter what we try to do, there are people out there that will use whatever tool. Sometimes that tool happens to be a firearm. Uh, an article that you wrote titled Mass Murder at a High School in Oxford Township, Michigan. Right. This article discusses one of those individuals who, no matter what, was going to do evil. But- you mentioned in this article, there are things that we can do that could have been done in this incident and others. And I want to unpack that because every single day is a new opportunity for people to be more aware, be more engaged, more involved and help save lives. So talk to us about this particular article. I was involved in some classes that taught school staff, could be anywhere from a bus driver to uh, a superintendent of schools, to become first responders. So they, some, most of them were armed. They would try and stop a threat. All of them took medical training because the, you want, if you, we, sometimes we will see these attacks before they happen. Awesome. What do we do when things slip through the cracks and someone gets at our children? Mm. Okay, now we want to stop the bleeding and we want to get EMTs to the scene immediately. If we can, we'll get injured to the EMTs because that's faster. And we learned a lot. This isn't mm. something we just thought about yesterday. I want to I want to tease you, and this is a little emotionally shocking, so I want you to hold on. We know 
why these murderers kill our kids. Mm. We live in a celebrity-driven media culture. These murderers would rather die because they can't live feeling ignored. Wow. That isn't my opinion. That's what the dead murderers said in their journals. That's what the living murderers said when they asked, when we asked them. That's how we find most of them. They brag, you guys are going to know about me tomorrow. Mm. And somebody goes, wait a minute, that doesn't sound good. And thank <clears throat> God, both for our kids and for them, we catch a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And this is a cultural education we're getting. These murderers are learning from each other. Here's why they do it. They want to be a celebrity. They don't have tens of millions of dollars to turn themselves into one, but they can do it with a car, with a knife, with a gun. If they hurt enough innocent people, they know that our mass media will talk about them for days. Yeah, and our a, a pressure cooker. <clears throat> they can use a pressure cooker. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what, what's heartbreaking is that our mass media is a willing accomplice in this. Mm -hmm. They give them that $100 million publicity campaign that trolls, fertilizes for the next mass murderer. Mm. We learned that we shouldn't do that, sadly, by looking at both teen, they used to, uh, suicides. We found that they would cluster some kid killed himself and everybody said, oh, they, his name was in the paper. That's how people remember me. I'll kill myself in a gruesome way. Now mm -hmm. we don't show the face. We don't mention the name. We have fewer teen suicides. We can't mention their name. We can't show their faces. And we'll have fewer mass murders by particularly young people on students. That is so um i mean in one way it's like well yeah duh right yeah. because when we are all so um starved to go viral in some way and be part of the the social network mm -hmm. that is you know facebook and twitter and instagram and what's this new one tiktok tiktok <laughs> the tiktok with the, the twitter TikTok. um so in so many ways that we yeah Absolutely. Let's stop talking about them. But then in other ways, even when we took the training, because you were discussing faster saves lives, that's the, the acronym is faculty, administration, staff, um, teacher, emergency response. That's faster. I was honored to take that uh, course as well. And in that course, there was a segment where we were in the classroom and we were studying these evil, twisted, bad guys. So where is that balance? And, and maybe the mass public doesn't need to study them, but if we're not at least somewhat aware that the loner, like, cause there's sort of a profile that, that a lot of these people but I think, who, I think, again, that's a difference with when you're studying them, it you, like, I think the thing that was a, a light bulb for me was the Aurora Aurora, Colorado movie theater shooter with the green hair and the, and the doing it on a Batman movie, he was trying to be the Batman villain. Mm. And he got so much attention on TV 
Mm. And he he's still alive, I believe. Yes, he is. And he got to what? I mean, he got to hear about it. He probably got fan mail from these sickos. Oh my gosh! In 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 jail. And so I think there's a difference between putting his face and his name, and his celebrity because that's right. what it's turning into mm-hmm. on TV mm-hmm. versus studying why people do what they do. I just think that's different. What do you say, Rob? Well, um. Yes, and mm-hmm. if we if we watch these guys, we know what they're saying going to say. We know what they're going to say when they get into jail. They're going to talk to their lawyer, their jailer, their parents. Going, can I have a TV in my cell? Can I have my yeah. phone back? Can I oh, surf wow. the web? What are they saying about me? Mm. And we okay. don't want to feed that. We don't want to give that to him because then it's also feeding the next. It's person. feeding feeding the next and. It turns out there's great news here. And you know it because you saw it. We can stop them. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us. Do we want to? I'm I'm in the middle of writing an article. Um, and it asked that question, how many kids should we let die? Mm-hmm. We can, we need to face that the world is not the way we want it. Yes, I agree with you. Mass murderers don't belong in school, but they go there to get celebrity status. What are we mm-hmm. going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, in some sense, we've already solved this problem. Illness doesn't belong in school, but we have school nurses. Mm. Hunger doesn't belong in school, but we have cafeterias. Mental illness doesn't belong there, but we have counselors. Come on, the world's not perfect. We've faced it. We've come to terms with it very well in other areas, but a lot of us, intentional violence is so abhorrent to us it's uncomfortable and you've felt this you you're reading through some of this data at night and you go can i wash my soul and and prick up my prayer book because this is heavy yeah i understand the reluctance but our kids are going to pay with our lives if we won't look at it boy that is so well said rob and we do prepare for you know fire doesn't belong in school we we do fire drills we know what to do if a fire happens, right? Right. And and the point that you made early on in this about faster saves lives is the medical training portion of it. And and here's the other thing about um, faster saves lives is I it teaches us because we are we do take a portion and we study the bad guys in a classroom setting, not on mass media, right? And so that we become more situationally aware right? Maybe we can sort of narrow in on if somebody's going to go off on this campus, it's going to be maybe one of these two or three people. And here's why we would believe that we're not, you know, wrongly judging. We're not, you know, wrongly profiling. We're just using previous data to predict future behavior, right? We do do know their teachers know, their friends know. And like we say, fortunately, they say, this is, this is, um, well, it doesn't happen all the time. They say, you're going to, you're finally going to give me the attention I want. Mm. And you, and most often that's a, enough of a clue. We go, okay, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. We get them before they come armed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, I, I want to compare our experience. I remember in the faster class, seeing the amazing earnestness of school staff, 
because mm-hmm. they call them my kids. That's how they feel to them. And we're doing something very difficult. We're learning to defend children in a school. That's a tough environment. That's not a target range. Mm-hmm. And some of them would say, this is too hard. I, I might make a mistake and, and injure somebody who's innocent. Mm-hmm. And I thought the staff was brilliant. Having been there before, they say, I understand. Stay in the class. We need people with the medical training. You can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, that's the only reason we're here is to get to the medical part. Mm-hmm. And what I saw doesn't happen all the time. Someone when they're packing an imitation wound and there's fake blood and they're pushing gauze in it. And I need more gauze because it's still push harder because it's still bleeding. And after that, you ask them, how are you doing? And they go, you know, I think I could do this because mm-hmm. I would do anything so that that isn't one of my students later that I'm trying to keep from dying in my arms. Absolutely. And the training you know, you don't have to have one of these evil people come in and create that kind of an emergency situation. You could have somebody injured, uh, you know, a broken glass, right. Or something in uh, you know, shop class or in chemistry class or something the, like that. The parking lot. <laughs> the parking lot, right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's most likely where it gets used. Yes. And so why not have this training and people get so locked up in their mind about, well, guns don't belong on campus. So, and you, you know, we can't arm teachers. Well, then we're not talking about either one of those things because, you know, bad guys are bringing guns on campus. doesn't matter how many signs you have up. And so why not have responsibly armed trained people and, and to say we're arming teachers, I always put it on its on its head because I say, no, you're actually disarming people who in the rest of their life, like me, I'm not a teacher, but whatever my profession would be, I would be armed as part of my wardrobe. Right. And so if I'm a teacher, the minute I cross that imaginary line onto campus, you're disarming me, uh, you know, with the training that I have and, and the training that faster saves lives implements it is of the highest level, right? Uh, you are you are empowering people who are going to stand in front of the bad guys' bullets anyway. Right. These teachers are going to stand in front of bullets anyway. So why not give them every tool to save and protect every life they can against these murders? Who their whole goal is to take life and as many as possible because the more they have, the more media coverage they get. Is that the point of your? the article. Exactly. And, and Cheryl, I don't know if you know who you're channeling there. Hmm. After Sandy Hook, which woke us all up, hmm. teachers, uh, school boards, everybody went to their local sheriff yes, and said, did. I want a deputy on every hallway. Mm-hmm. I don't want to wait five minutes for you to get here and another couple for you to find the classroom and uh, can I get one in every class? Mm-hmm. And the sheriff goes, don't I wish? Yeah. And he's talking to his superintendent and he goes, the only guy I've got is the guy who you said couldn't carry a gun. Exactly what you were saying. Because mm. in, in, many, in many states, it's the local sheriff who issues permits. He knows that the, the bus driver, the cafeteria worker, the school uh, office clerk, 
is carrying everywhere off campus. Right. Off campus. Wow. All right. We have got to move on. So another article that you wrote recently, it's titled restitution for unconstitutional laws. And I thought that is a kind of a thought provoking word restitution, right? Right. And, and so this is sort of a look ahead to, all right, what can we possibly predict can be coming our way in 2022 as we turn the page on the calendar from, from one year to the next? And this article kind of touches on uh, that. And I'm going to hand it over to you from there, <coughs> take it away and, and talk to us about that. Well, I'm going to hand it back. Cass, I know your family uh, is big into board games, particularly around the holidays, right? That, yes, my husband okay, I, is quite the board game dude. Aficionado. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a stalker, but we're Facebook friends, okay? Yeah, this, right. is, this is honest. <laughs> it's, um, well, here's some pieces of a puzzle, and let's put it together for everyone. New York, particularly New York City, mm -hmm. stopped people on the street and searched them for weapons stop and frisk on a massive public scale. They stop businessmen. Oh, that decorative keychain. See that little pocket knife, you know, that's about an inch long. That's a public weapon. Oh my gosh. Come with me. Oh my gosh. Literally a boy scout troop from out of town. We want to see New York city. Let me see in your backpack. There's a pocket, there's a boy scout knife in there. They get arrested and charged airline passengers. Your flight's delayed, you get dumped in New York. Okay, we'll put you up in a hotel. Hi, I'd like to declare a firearm in my bag. Something that you and I do every, you know, when mm -hmm. we fly with guns all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, did you take this bag out of the airport? Now you're charged for having a firearm. This is serious. Lots of people are charged. Crazy. Now, you and I, ordinary citizens, can't get a permit in New York City. Law enforcement officers can, politicians can. That larger issue got taken to the U.S. Supreme Court recently. You covered it. I've covered it. And it started because ordinary people in upstate New York couldn't get their permits if they drew the wrong judge. Right. That permission right? system. You know? That permission slip. Right. The, the state attorney said, no, that's a virtue. And the judges said, one, you don't have to ask a government bureaucrat for your rights. That can't be working out. And the fact that if I just drew another judge, I'd get my permit. But this guy is the guy who says, no, I'm out of luck. There's no appeal. Our rights can't be arbitrary. Okay, that's another piece of the puzzle. Here's the third piece. And one of the third of four, here's where it gets fun. We've been here before. We really have. Washington, D.C. used to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get a permit there. If you traveled through, you'd be arrested. Well, that was later declared unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. The same situation where New York faces. And later, a judge looked at the D.C. cases. Some people said, hey, I was arrested. I have a criminal record. They said I needed a permit but they wouldn't give me one. Mm -hmm. The judge said, oh, you know, you're right. Let's look at history. That law was declared unconstitutional. Okay, District of Columbia, you can ask for permits, 
but you can't demand that we have a permit that you won't issue. Mm. Right. You owe them restitution for their court fees uh, and you have to clear their record. Now that was not a class action lawsuit yet. It was about, I think four, five, six guys, a number of people. Well, let's scale that up. There are tens of thousands of people who've been victimized by New York's laws. They put guys in Rikers Island. It's a, it's not just against the law. It's considered a violent felony to have an unread to carry an unregistered firearm in New York. A violent felony to just carry, yeah, just to have it a, in your possession without to a not permit. Even use it in any way, right? Without a permit, which is a permission slip, you can't get that you can't get. And then if you show one of the pieces of the SCOTUS case, the Supreme Court case that uh, just kept, you know, niggling in my mind was that if you could show that you have specific right now, extra need, extraordinary, extraordinary need, then maybe they would consider it. And I'm like, okay, I'm alive. I want to stay alive. That should be enough. And, right? and and it what was fascinating is some of the judges said, but that means, you know, like anybody could get a gun and th- the rest of us from free states go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You say, yeah. You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So when they put that together, when all those pieces are assembled, if the Supreme Court says this law is wrong, it's unconstitutional, you other states shouldn't do it. And if you and what someone will then ask is, okay, judge, and if they did do it, do they owe restitution? We're mm-hmm. going to have tens of thousands of people in mm-hmm. a monumental class action lawsuit saying, you owe me things you can never get back, give me back. Mm-hmm. You made me a felon. Mm-hmm. Now what can we do to try and set that right? Wow. That's phenomenal. And we have no we have no idea how the case is going to be decided yet, but do we have any inklings? Is there any handwriting on the wall? Well, there's handwriting on the wall that says this, this law was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. But now the question is, will they say, no, it's just as applied. Okay, you, you two guys, you can get your permit. Mm-hmm. That's the narrowest it could possibly be. And if they say, no, it's wrong, don't anyone else do that. Here are the standards you need to consider as you're recrafting your laws. Okay, that's broader. Okay, mm-hmm. that's prima facie. Um, I want to talk about constitutional carry because there are mm-hmm. a bunch of things that I think are going to change this year. Yeah, absolutely. Dive okay. in. Okay, so th- to wrap up, we gained constitutional carry. We do have great progress all across the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, as I like to call it, permit optional carry. We got it this year in Texas, Iowa, Tennessee, Utah, and Montana. Wyoming had an upgrade. They had some of it, but now it's for out-of-state residents as well. It was vetoed in a couple states this year. I didn't don't know if you noticed that. Constitutional carry was vetoed by Democrat governors in Pennsylvania and Louisiana. So the people wanted it and then right. it got vetoed. It got vetoed. 
that makes it easy for politicians to get campaign donations from anti-gun billionaires. Okay, we know how that game is played. But wow, is it harder for a Democrat at any level, if he's trying to run for county commissioner, to say, yeah, I support the Second Amendment, honest, I, but you're running as a Democrat. Mm. It shouldn't be partisan. No. You made it partisan. Take your hand off the off the scale. Mm -hmm. Next year, we'll probably have constitutional carry in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Louisiana, and maybe in Florida. That's right. a lot awesome. of people. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting about, you know, the constitutional carry is, you know, the Constitution is my carry license, <laughs> like say, um, is that the more states that have it, then that really kind of is that uh, reciprocity that we've been talking about for many years that we wish that at the federal level that there was this, you know, if I'm legal to carry, if I'm legal to drive in Arizona, I can drive in every state. If I'm legal to carry a firearm in Arizona, I should be legal to carry in every state. But then there's fr uh, frustrated by states' rights, which are important, right? right? We don't want the federal government being able to you know, blanket and tell the states how they have to behave. That's why we have, you know, the, the many states, um, the several states. So, uh, but if each state adopts these on their own, they kind of end up with that by default. Am I, am I on the no, right I'm, path with I, that? I think you're on the right path. Let's look at the cultural impact though, too. There are people who say, you know, I, I don't think in my state, I would like constitutional carry. Okay, go to Tennessee, go to Nashville. Do and they go. Well, I don't think just anybody. I don't think we should have shall issue. Gone to Chicago recently. What happens when people in New Jersey and New York suddenly have to go? Well, of course, I vacation in Pittsburgh or uh, in Pennsylvania. You know, I'll, I'll go to conferences. I'll go to festivals. You understand that that's a constitutional carry state. You've lived in a constitutional carry state. It might not be your own. Hmm. Wow. And and you were talking about political activism. What would it mean to people if they go, you can carry when you're on vacation. Come hmm. here. Come hmm. on down here. Feel feel the freedom. Feel the culture. Yeah. And then they take that back home and suddenly it feels more oppressive than it used to. Mm -hmm. I love that. From your lips to everyone's ears, including God's, because that's, you know, that is the thing is, you know, how many people go to a state because they love the freedom or they love the culture of the state. And um, that really can work in our favor to help people say, I want to take some of this home with me, right? I don't want just a little bit of the sand from the beach to, to, to go home with me. I want to take some of that freedom home with me, right? I'm, I'm ready. I'm waiting for the rent-a-gun kiosk at the... Uh... Phoenix Airport. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. Well, we need to start wrapping up. This has been an amazing conversation. I like that we've taken a little peek into the future, uh, what maybe 2022 might bring. I, I like that we've challenged people that they are. The only way things can change is if you, and I'm pointing at everybody viewing us right now and me, right? Everybody that's listening right now, do something 
new and different to support and protect your rights, lift up uh, a local, um, somebody running for office that truly is a constitutionalist, um, support their campaign, run for office yourself if you're truly a constitutionalist, but it really is that person in the mirror. So everybody this Christmas should get a mirror and look in it regularly when you're saying somebody ought to do something, right? So hard, Cheryl. <laughs> it is, but you know, we don't have to do everything. We just have to do one thing, All right. right? Okay. We just have to do what we can do in our world. And even if that's just influencing in within our circle of influence, right? She's got right. two littles, they have parents, you know, she can talk to other parents, let them with see two littles hmm? who have friends who have parents. Who have friends who I have am parents. their parents. <laughs> Parent. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's why I brought you along so you could catch me on these things. But uh, you know, let people catch us doing good. Let people see right. us being normal. Which I'm gonna say one thing, like we have a big gun show that happens here every December. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but also shot show is much more familiar to the gun group gun community, but I try so hard to be so unbelievably friendly and kind to the staff that are Vegas residents mm -hmm. that maybe are not gun people mm -hmm. because they are in a sea and the, and the casinos and the restaurants. And when I have a shot show badge on that is declaring clearly that I am a gun owner, um, I try so hard to be overly kind to and gracious to the people that are serving us mm -hmm. while we are there because we are the face of gun owners that they maybe don't get to see all the time. You're an um, ambassador. Yes, exactly. And so I think <laughs> I think that we all should pay attention to that. You know, we might be frustrated that we're standing in lines a little bit longer, especially at SHOT Show uh, <laughs> because there's so many of us, but that's our opportunity to to show that we are patient and we are kind mm -hmm. and we are normal people. Mm -hmm. Beautifully and done. And gun owners. Beautifully done, right? There That's how we do it, one person at a time. All right, well, we are gonna wrap up and we're gonna do it as our last show of the year. We're gonna do it a little different than we normally do. This is where we normally bid adieu to our guest, but we're gonna let Rob stick around to the end. But before we start our little wrap up, Rob, please tell folks how they can tap into and stay connected to all the excellent work that you are doing. Well, thank you. I write at the Slow Facts blog. I produce the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. I co-host on the Polite Society podcast. Those come out weekly. I get to write the Armed Citizen column at Ammo Land. Thank you, Cheryl. I said you do like 10 articles an hour. You probably wrote three while we were on this yes, right. interview. <laughs> Every time I asked a question, I think he hit send on an article. So uh, <laughs> thank you for, for being with us. Thank you for all that you do. And you are also such an encourager. Like I will just get a random out of nowhere message or text or something from Rob just saying, you know, thank you for all you do. And I'm telling you, it's always so perfectly timed uh, that he couldn't even know that it was important to, to have a little extra encouragement. And he does that. And that is, I mean, kind of what Cassie was saying, that's the heart of so many of the people in, in this community, the Second Amendment community, but you do it so exceptionally. Thank you very much. You inspire me as well. Thank you so much. All right. And so thank you to our awesome listeners as well, not just in the state of Arizona, where we are, not just in 
Florida. No, you're not in Florida anymore. You're in Louisiana. Louisiana. I always want to say Florida because you get those terrible storms. And in my mind, that's, that's Florida. Florida. Right. You guys are in Louisiana. Uh, and uh, but all across this nation and actually all across the world, wherever there is Internet, we have viewers and listeners. And what that means to me, Rob and Cassie, is people are hungry for freedom. Yeah. They're hungry for what our founders built and when they fought, bled, starved, and died for the opportunity to even put Quill to parchment, to write this amazing document, our, our cookbook, right? Our roadmap, our recipe book for how to do this grand experiment in liberty and freedom. They're hungry for it. And I hope we always stay hungry for it. And we always lean in that direction. Uh, we've had a rough couple of years, but I think that it's woken a lot of people up. And so thank you to our listeners and our viewers from all over the world. And we hope that you'll stay tapped in with us as we turn the calendar to the year 2022. If you want to watch these videos, you can find us on YouTube, on GunStreamer, on the OpsLens smartphone app. And when you do, please hit the subscribe and the notifications button so we can stay in close contact. And if you want to listen to the audio only version, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com, click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content to all of the episodes we have there. And when you want to see photos of Rob and all of our guests, bios, links to the works they do, go to the guest tab. It's a tremendous resource. And when you spend time there, we don't hate that at all. So all right. So as we are closing out for the year, until next time, what are we going to do, Rob and Cassie? We're going to pray for what? Our nation. Uh, pray maybe. for our nation. Pray for our leaders, maybe? All, all, all of them, Cheryl? All of them? <laughs> Even all Gavin them? Newsom? No. Oh, man, you guys are giving me a challenge here. <laughs> um, yes. Yes, all of them. And okay. Maybe, even the ones you don't like. Okay. There might be one or two, might be one or two you don't like, Yeah. but maybe especially for those, right? Yeah. And, and I know Dan okay. will appreciate Rob that you stepped in and <laughs> said his line better than he said it in years. So <laughs> thank you because he gets locked up on the word leaders. He goes, they're not our leaders. I'm like, okay. Well, call up representatives, but yes, still all of them, but he's not wrong. He's yeah. not wrong. I think we put these people on pedestals when they should just be seen as, as normal people. Right. Yeah. So anyway, until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye Rob. Thanks so much. <laughs>